wanted to preach to you, uh, you know, in Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul does this really cool thing. The Olympics are like, they go way back to Jesus time. And so in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul speaks to uh, his people in a sports analogy term. He uses sports ideas to be able to draw a spiritual comparison. And since it's Father's Day, I thought we'd take a run at it as I was watching the finals and I, and I read a particular scripture. Um, it, it brought you know, some ideas to me about scripture and basketball. And, and so we'll have some fun with that. And I promise it's not just a sermon for, for men or sports people. Uh, there's a lot that you'll see that's very true. Uh, Paul said things like he spoke to them in a way that they would understand sports terminology. He talked about running a race and the way that you keep your body and that you run to finish the race. And so today I want to do the same thing. I want to just talk about some sports ideas that work in the kingdom of God or work in our Christian walk. And what I want to talk specifically about this morning is rebounds. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a rebound is, it's when you take a shot and you miss, you have the opportunity or the second chance to score again, to get the victory again. Your first opportunity didn't make it, but you got the opportunity to go out there and take that and capitalize on a second chance. Amen? Do you know the Bible is full, and you know this, of rebounds? It's full of people who it started this way, they missed the shot, they messed it up, but God says, I can still work with that. I can help you in that rebound and take a second chance for victory, amen. Our culture though loves to be like, oh, you messed up, you're a failure, we're gonna bury you. We see it in celebrities and other things or just the way we even talk about things happening. As soon as somebody makes a mistake, it's like, just bury them. There is no second chance. There is no rebound. But you know that God doesn't require perfection of you? You can miss a shot with God. The scripture says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. Do you know that sin to sin, it literally means to just miss the mark? You miss the shot. We all miss the shot. Amen? But what you can do is decide I've missed the shot, but I'm not going to take the ball and go home. I'm not going to put my head down. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to blame the coach. I'm not going to blame the rest of the team. Instead, I'm going to run out and get the rebound and capitalize on my second chance. Amen. And I just wanted to say to, to fathers and to families, man, God is cheering for you to get the rebound. When we miss it, when we fall, it's not like, hey, uh, you messed it, get off the court. God's like, hey, just get the ball and go capitalize. Amen? So God is not looking for perfection. God doesn't only reward perfection. Well, I don't know why I should keep trying anymore. You know, God's only going to re you know, reward the people that do it perfect. No, God rewards and restores and redeems even the missed shots. The truth is in basketball, they miss more shots than they make. The average in a game of first shot attempts is only 46% are made, uh, meaning that a lot of the success or the victory or the win comes from what you do on a rebound. Amen? Uh, we heard a lot in these NBA finals about the super teams or that these were the greatest teams ever assembled. And do you know that when they were shooting about 52% in a game, the experts were saying there's no way they can maintain this level of high percentage shooting. Why? Because it's not possible to make more than you miss. I'm here to tell you, sometimes in life and seasons that you get in, and even when you're walking with God, it's not possible for you to be perfect. Amen? You got to just do your best. And then if you miss, you're ready to go make the rebound. Amen. God, I believe, spends a bunch of time. And I know God pays attention to what we do and how we respond to when we miss. 
God wants us to take our best shot. God wants us to do our best. God wants it. But when we miss, I believe that God is sitting there going, hey, are they going to go for the rebound? Can I get with them? Can I come alongside them? Can I help them get that rebound and put that thing back in? God pays very much attention to our second chances. The scripture says every morning his mercy is made new. His mercies for us when we miss a shot, his mercies for when we make a mistake are made new every day. He has great grace for when we miss, amen? I believe this, what you do when you miss will make up your life. I believe much of your success and your victory and your scoring in life is made up by what you do in response to the times that you miss or mess up, amen? It didn't happen the way you thought it was. It didn't happen the way someone told you it was gonna. And then you made a decision to respond or to rebound godly and God turned that thing into a good thing. I believe much of your success is determined with what you do on the rebound. There's this thing in basketball called commentators. You have them in your life as well. But commentators, they sit on the sidelines. They sit on the sidelines, right? You know where I'm going with this. They sit on the sidelines of the game which means they're not in the game, which means they're not playing in the game, which means they're not participating, which means they don't have the game plan, which means they don't have the information, which means they aren't on the team, which means they aren't in making a difference or contributing. But yet they sit on the sidelines and they talk about the other people in the game. How many of you have sideline people in your, right? Commentators in your life. They're not in the game. They're not out there with you. They're not out there helping you, but they're certainly on the sidelines talking about you. You ever experienced those? I call them sideline talkers. They're not in the game. They don't know what it's like. They don't have the game plan. They aren't out on the floor. And now people say, well, hold on. Most commentators are actually former players. You know, they're NBA greats. They, they do know the game. They did play the game. You're right. They once were in the game. And now they're not in the game anymore. They're not where you are. And I've just seen it in church many times that some people that used to be in it, that used to be serving God, that used to be pulling things, ahead, that used to be trying to win souls, that used to be out there trying to, all of a sudden, because they've put in a few years, they've stepped to the sidelines and they just want to talk about those that are doing. Amen? Sideline talkers shouldn't determine or sway you or, or change. You know what they do? You talk to the NBA finals. Well, you know, they're saying this about you and you know, they're saying this about you. And every player says this. I don't care what other people are saying. I have a mission. I have a game plan. I'm executing what is in front of me. Amen? The sideline talkers don't matter is what I'm trying to say. You can miss the shot. You can mess up the thing, but be out there and get the rebound and, and make the point. Amen? Micah chapter 7 verse 8. I love it how, he, how this is said. It says, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall arise when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Hey, like, don't get so excited, enemy, when I mess up. Like, don't get, don't get ahead of yourself when I fall or when I mess up or when I miss the shot. Don't get too excited about it, enemy. You know why? Because I'm gonna get back up. Because I'm gonna get the rebound and I'm gonna make sure we score here. Are you with me? And the other thing it says is like, I may sit in darkness and it may not look good for me right now, but God always shows up with a light, amen? So don't get all excited and start rejoicing and thinking I'm out of this thing. Because there's always a comeback in God. There's always a rebound we can make, amen? Proverbs 24, 16. The righteous may fall seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. 
What's a characteristic of the righteous according to the scripture? Somebody who gets back up when they fall. Like you're considered righteous when you're somebody who falls and gets back up. That isn't a scripture of perfection. It's not saying, oh, the righteous do it perfect. The righteous make every shot. No, it's saying a characteristic of the righteous is somebody who can fall but then gets back up. Amen? Somebody who's not righteous and doesn't have the ability is somebody who can be taken out in one fall, as the scripture says. Disaster, the wicked ones are the ones that just get taken out and stay down. But a righteous one is somebody that's saying, I'm going to keep getting back up and trusting God and going after the rebound. It's okay that you miss the shot, but don't be somebody who stays down. Be somebody who gets up and makes the shot again. Amen? He said, well, so what are you telling us? We can, we can just sin and then get back up and sin and get back up. You, look, you don't choose to fall. I'm talking about falling. You didn't see it coming. The surroundings, things happened. You fell. I'm not talking about choosing to fall. I'm saying like stuff happened, it got away from you, and you fell, not choosing to sin. And where I see it happen a lot is people don't run out and choose to sin. What they actually start to do is create patterns in their life where they make excuses for the way that they're living, and those excuses lead them to sin. Amen? Well, I'm not going to serve God this way right now because I got this, and that person did that. And they make all these excuses, and those excuses lead them on a road to sin. Those kinds of those kinds of choosing to do those things, choosing to make excuses, those aren't the things that God has grace for. We're saying, whoa, whoa, did he just say God doesn't have grace? I'm saying, God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but don't play me in the middle. Don't say your one thing and make excuses at the same time and justify this and that. I'm telling you, God ain't got time for that, <laughs> right? So it... it God's all for when we fall and are wholeheartedly and we're going after it and he wants to be there to make a rebound. But we can't be a people who create and make excuses for why we're not living the way God called us to, amen? So there's a couple things here when it comes to making a rebound that I looked up in basketball. And uh, I won't bore you with basketball analogies. I'm gonna keep it spiritual. But the, one of the first things that it says you need to do when it comes to making a rebound is it says you have to get in front of your opponent. You have to get in front of the opposition, so you get down underneath the basket and you position yourself in front of the enemy. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say what the scripture says, that we're the head and not the tail. We need to put the things of the world behind us and keep it behind us, amen? We're not led by the world. We're not led by the ways of the world. We don't do it the way everybody else is doing it because that's the way we should do it. No, we need to get into a place and put those things behind us so when we're positioned to make the rebound, amen? We're the head and not the tail. We put those things behind us. Our eyes are set on, the scripture says, the things above, God in front of us. And we put those things behind us. We have to keep the enemy behind us. The other thing that it says you need when you get there and you have the enemy behind you, you have to keep a bent knee. You have to keep a bowed knee, if you'd let me say that. We have to stay on bended knees as a Christian to be in position to make a rebound. What am I trying to say? A bended knee is prayer. We have to have a prayer life. We have to have a, a posture of, of, of being ready to, to pray and respond. They say that you keep a bended knee so you can make a quick maneuver. You're under there, the enemy's behind you, and wherever the shot comes off, you're on a flexible bended knee so you can make a maneuver. Well, that's what our prayer life is. Uh, God, uh, we missed the shot, and I, I don't know what to do, but, but I'm, I'm coming to you in prayer. Lead me. You're on bended knee. You're saying, God, direct me in this prayer. Give me your plan for this situation. Amen? Another way is serving. You keep a bended knee. You're ready to serve. 
You're ready to serve the situation. You're ready to serve however it comes off the, the, the backboard or the rim. You're, you're on bended knee, ready to serve and capitalize. We need to be that same way. How are we gonna rebound for our community? We stay in a position of ready to serve, amen? We go out there and we say, hey, community, I see you've missed the shot, but I've been here on bended knee praying for you and now I'm in position to come and serve you, amen? And we help them make the rebound, amen? Number three, this is awesome. It says when you're in that position, you're supposed to keep your hands up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, get, I mean, you can get your hanky and run around the service if you want. I'm saying you get in a position for the rebound, you got to keep your hands up, which I'm talking about. That's a place in a posture of worship. It's like, God, I'm trusting you for the rebound. I know that when I miss it and I'm going to miss it, I'm in a place of surrender. Worship is a place of surrender. We, the national sign of surrender is you put your hands up. I put a gun to your back. You put your hands up. You say, I surrender, meaning I'm not in control of this situation. I'm surrendered to it. That's what we do when we come in here and we worship. We raise our hands and we say, God, I am not in control of my life. You are. You're my God. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm not trying to figure this out on my own. I want you to lead me in a rebound. Amen? And so we keep our hands up. You don't see someone in the paint trying to get a rebound folded, hands in their shorts, on their phone. I hope you know what I'm trying to say. No, you come in with your hands and surrender and you say, God, I'm here, I'm bended knee, I'm, I'm ready to serve, I'm ready to worship. I'm, your kids need to see you come in here and worship because they're going to see you mess up. They're gonna see you miss shots. But if they see you come in and go, God, I missed some shots this week. I really messed up. But you know what? I worship you, you're God. Make me clean, make me new, amen. And so just a position of hands up. Another one is planted feet a planted foot. So you're in here, you're on bended knee, but your feet are firm. You don't get pushed by what's happening. You don't get moved by what's going on around you. You have firm feet. Are you with me? What it means is a firm base they said you need to keep. What am I trying to say? I'm saying you need a firm base. And I believe it starts with church. I think that when you build your week, you should have planted feet in the house of God. Amen. You take a look at all you need to do and all you need to plan and all the stuff you need to put together and you start and you plant your feet in the house of God, amen? And you build everything else on top of that. And I believe in activities and socializing, all those kinds of things, but what should be first is a planted feet in the house of God. Another place you should plant your feet is in the word of God. If I were to try to maximize the capabilities of this microphone, I would go to its inventor or creator, and I would be like, what does the creator say about this microphone? And I would find out that it's the creator or the inventor of this thing has made a manual for me. And what does the manual do? The manual tells me everything I need to do to be the most successful microphone possible. Amen. Well, it's the same thing in God. You want to be your best kind of life? You want to live your best kind of Christian walk? You want to do that? Go to the manual of God. What's the manual of God? It's the word of God. Amen. I'm not trying to give you a church speech of like, gotta read your Bible, but it's your success book. It's your best kind of life. Get into it. And that way, when you're in the paint and you miss a shot and you gotta make a rebound, you can refer to it as your foundation and make great decisions, amen? So I believe your word. I believe the word of God. Another one I think is critical as a foundation, as a planted foot. We gotta plant our feet in right relationships. We gotta have solid friends in our life. 
It's dangerous when people disconnect themselves from life-giving, affirming, spiritually covering friendships. A whole place full like this of church where people can speak life and engage. And we have all of these groups. Listen, we don't have groups because we want to be with your kids at the splash pad. We have groups because we want to build each other up in relationship. You guys are taking that too serious. I don't go to the splash pad, just so you know. That's for the moms. I'm just saying the groups don't exist so we can splash water on each other. Is that a nicer way to say that? Sunset watching, beach therapy, all those things aren't because, no, it's because we together in relationship like God called us to, we're planting with each other. We're getting a firm base with like-minded believers, amen? And so I believe that's a big one, friends. Another one I believe that you have to be planted in is a vision for your life. Scripture says where there is no vision, people perish. You're gonna have zero success in shooting with no vision. Get a vision for your life. See what God says and be planted in it. Make decisions based on what God says you can do in life. Amen? So plant your feet. I believe there's some things we need to plant under our feet. I love Joshua. The scripture tells a story where Joshua goes and he finds the enemy. It was five kings and he finds them with his people and they drag them out of there and he tells the instruction to the people is, do not let their necks out from underneath your feet. The instruction was literally to stand on these king's necks. Why? Because he understood the importance of planting some things that need to be under your feet, under your feet. We patty cake too many addictions and we get off on the edge and we patty cake all these things that really we need to put under our feet. Amen. So there's some, yeah, I'm gonna leave that one there. Amen. <laughs> what I love about rebound is it sets up a second chance. Some of the best stories are comeback stories, right? Some of the most inspirational movies and stories that you read are when it looked like this and it became this because of the rebound or the second chance or what God did in the story of restoration, amen? And you know why that matters so much? Do you know why that sparks such a thing on the inside of you? Because that's the heart of God. It's to see restoration. It's to see a rebound made. It's to see somebody who is told they're not good enough and they can't do it and they'll never be. And then that person makes a rebound and scores. Are you with me? That's the heart of God. He wired you to be drawn to the rebound. Amen? I thought about this. The scripture says, uh, I love this. It says uh, multiple times throughout scripture, it talks about uh, how our latter days, in Job, it says your latter days, meaning your days ahead, will be greater than your former days. Okay? So your latter days will be greater than your former days. So it said it even about Samson. Samson has these great stories and all these heroics and all this stuff, and he messes up, he misses the shot. But he goes after the rebound, and the scripture says about his days that his latter days were greater than his former days. I love this, even about Peter. We see in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, Jesus speaking of Peter says this, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Or when you have rebounded to me, strengthen your brethren. Here's what's happening. He's praying, knowing with all wisdom that Peter was gonna deny him three times. Peter was going to miss the shot three times, and Jesus, our Savior, still took the time to pray, man, I pray. 
and I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have rebounded to me, strengthen your brethren. The translations say it a whole bunch of different ways. It's reach your brother and reach your neighbor, uh, win people for salvation. It's saying like this, when you get your rebound, use that to go help others. Are you with me? Amen. So what it's saying is this. It's like, look, I've said this last week. The scripture says what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. And we always think of it like this, like, oh, the enemy, I'm, you know, I've messed up, I've fallen, I'm in this place, what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to deliver me of that and bring me back to just good. Thank God I'm not there, I'm now here. But that's not what the scripture means. The scripture means what the enemy meant for evil, all this that you went through, all this that you endured, all this that you experienced, all these missed shots, all of these experiences... God's going to use those not to just get you to good, but we're going to take the ammo from that and turn that back on the devil and do something great. Everything you've gone through isn't just so God could get you back to like zero. It's so that all of that can then become arsenal to be used to like the scripture said, strengthen another brethren. I pray that when you return back to me, when you rebound, that then you use whatever missed shot you had to help somebody else. God doesn't make us miss shots, but when we miss shots, he uses rebounds to help us strengthen our brother and sister. Amen? And so what happens for Peter? He denies Christ three times. He rebounds. He has a moment with God. He repents. He comes back to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He runs him out there in like the NBA finals. He gives him the upper room experience. The birth of the church was done through Peter up in the, in the day of Pentecost. Why? Because God believes in the power of a rebound. Your missed shot will not hold you back from what God has for you. Stop limiting yourself. If he could do that for Peter, who he, I mean, think about the idea. This is just so awesome in God. Peter over here saying, no, I don't even know him. I don't believe in him. I didn't run with him. And then he rebounds and God builds the church on him. Like he says, yeah, like, yeah, I know you said you didn't and you don't and you, did, and you missed the shot this bad, but now I'm going to trust you so much. That's how much God believes in rebound. And we limit ourselves. Well, you don't know my past. You don't know my upbringing. You don't know all of these things. God does. And you know what he's doing? He's praying that you be strengthened. Amen. So the scripture even says about David that, there was more in his latter days than his former. He did great things in the beginning. He messed up greatly. And then even about the end of his life, he did great things even after. Um, we went to Tim McGraw on Thursday, and my wife wore a shirt that said, um, it's Tim McGraw's song, uh, my next 30 years will be the best years of my life. Right? Any country fans in here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, good. Um, <laughs> so... I'll leave it alone. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I was with my wife. It was amazing. But her shirt was biblical. That's a biblical shirt. Tim McGraw, chalk him one for perfect theology. Because that's the truth. Your next however many years will be the best years of your life. Do you know that I believe that one of the greatest tactics the enemy pulls on mankind is the pressure that you feel or the stress or the depression that sets in when we get older? This midlife crisis idea, or as you get older, you think that you're losing, it's not God. It's not biblical. Your latter years are greater than your former years. Amen? Literally, the older you get in God, the older you get in life, the more that you progress scripturally and in the benefits and in the fruit of God, 
it's biblical. The more you go, the better it gets. Amen. So I'm trying to tell you this idea of like, oh, I've messed up and I'm too old to rebound and there's no way that I can see God do this. Your latter will be greater than your former. Somebody say amen. Your best, your next 30 years, 50, 100, whatever God has for you. I think there's a cap on it in the Bible. It's a hundred and some years, right? <laughs> but they're your best years ahead. Your rebound years can be your best years. Amen? I'll close with this. There's this thing in basketball. Many of you know it. It's called the free throw shot. And so it's a line uh, closer to the hoop than some of the other lines. And what happens at that line is your enemy, your opponent, they can't defend you. It's a free throw. Sometimes you get one, two, or three shots, but you stand at that line uncontested. They can't guard you. They can't do anything to distract you. It's you and the hoop. And so to be successful, all you need to do at that point is basically do what you know how to do. If you posture right, if you do everything the way that you've been instructed to do it, you're gonna make the shot, amen? It's the same thing in your life. Salvation is free. God provided you heaven and salvation for free. And what we need to do is we need to stand at that line and be completely obedient to everything he taught us, instructed us, showed us, and we have a free shot. Now, I'm not saying it's easy because there's still a lot of decisions to be made and things that you have to call into order to be able to make that shot. I'm telling you, salvation is free and, and there is no doctrine of the enemy can get you. What I'm trying to say is, Salvation is the same thing. There is no in scripture where the devil can just come up and get you. You have to surrender. You have to make a bad choice. You have to allow him. Does that make sense? And so this free throw, you're standing at the line and you have the, and everything is, it's the same thing in your life with salvation. The enemy in your life is held back, is pushed back. If we live obediently and we shoot that shot, you can be victorious. You live obedient. You do all that God called you to do. You can make a successful shot. But what happens in a free throw is the same thing that happens to us. You stand at that line and what happens in a crowd is behind the basketball, behind the goal, behind the hoop, the crowd back there, if you have those seats, you should be crazy because they make signs and they make all, and if in college, it gets really like organized. They do things to distract the free throw shooter. Now, they're not in the game. They're not a part of the thing, but they're just a noise around the free throw trying to distract the shooter from living out what they know to live out. Amen. What I'm, what I'm trying to explain is they're the accuser of the brethren. And what is the enemy called in our life? What is the devil called in our life? He's the accuser of the brethren. Salvation is free. God is with you. He's called you to work obediently and you'll see success. But what happens is we get our eyes on the accuser of the brethren. We start listening to what the enemy says. Oh, you should do a little of this and oh, you should do a little of that. Everybody else does. And we start listening to all the crowd noise of the accuser and it gets us distracted and that's how we miss shots. Amen. But I'm thankful for a God who believes in you enough that He'll give you a second chance. He'll give you a rebound. He'll give you that opportunity to go make it right. Amen. I thought about this. One of my favorite plays in the NBA is what they call a putback dunk. It's a slam dunk, but it comes off the miss of another shot. It's one of the coolest looking plays because there's a missed shot and then out of nowhere, someone comes and puts it back. And it's awesome. It's like heroic. It's, and it's usually on top of somebody else and they fall and then you get to trash talk and it's awesome. 
You know what I hope we get to do as a church? I hope this church, things get missed. There's a miss shot in our community. There's something that doesn't happen. I hope the church swoops in and does a putback dunk on the enemy. And we get to stand over top of it and be like, it didn't work. We put it back because we serve a God who believes in the rebound. Amen? Let's be that. I believe this, and this, this I shared this in first service. In basketball, when you fall behind, especially if you play like out in the parks or whatever, if you're really far behind, you do this thing where you got to make up a lot of points so you can't afford to not score on this possession. So you would shoot and you would think about shooting, but basically like right when the ball left your hand, you, always, you already ran like to get the rebound. It's like you didn't believe that it was going to work, right? So you shot it and you quick ran to get the rebound. Normally, if the game is close or wherever, you just shoot the shot, hope somebody else rebounds it. But you were like crashing the board to get your own rebound in case you missed, okay? I think, and this sounds like bad theology, but I'll explain it here in a minute. I believe that we need to do this as Christians. Pray, ask God, believe the best, hear from him all that we know how to hear him, talk to wise counsel, shoot our best shot. But at the same time, rush toward the rim. And if it misses, we're gonna be there on a rebound. Not this. Too many Christians do. All right, I think God told me to do it. I think it could be a thing. Let's see what it does. And then, oh, we missed. I guess it wasn't God. And we walk away. No. Like rush the rim, charge after it. Get the rebound, put it back in. I didn't pull it up because uh, I didn't study well this week because my wife made me go to Tim McGraw. But um. There's a scripture, I think it's David. He says, listen, basically I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it, but he says, look, I put all my trust in you. I believe in you. I am gonna walk in everything that you've called me to. I believe that you're with me and you're for me and that you're going to deliver me. But then he says this, but if not, you're still God. He says, I still believe that you're God and you have the best for me. So I believe we get the ball, we take our best shot. And if it misses, we still run and rebound. We don't make excuses. We don't blame the coach. We don't blame God. We don't get bitter. We still run and get the rebound and capitalize, amen? Dads, I'm telling you, you're gonna mess it up. Moms are gonna mess it up. We're all gonna mess it up. But what a cool testimony to our kids if we can be like, failure is not final. Watch this put back dunk, amen?